From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for this week, with my friend and colleague, Dr. Quincy Crosby. Quincy, how are you today? Fine. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Always uh, glad to have you, but especially when the focus is so much on geopolitics and commodities. So uh, let's get right to it. After you look at these lovely disclosures, here's our agenda. Uh, we had a down market in uh, stock market and bond market last week, mainly on the fear of rising rates and uh, of potential escalation of the conflict in the Middle East. So we'll certainly touch on those two topics today. We'll, earnings season is getting overshadowed by uh, the aforementioned catalysts for market movement. So we will, um, you know, still give you the numbers, but frankly, for the markets right now, they're not all that meaningful in, in my view, at least. Uh, next, we'll preview the weekly market commentary this week, which our chief economist, Jeffrey Roach, wrote. Uh, it, it's cool because it's got some new stuff that we haven't looked at lately, an, an inside look at the job market and a little bit of a hint as to what to expect in 2024. Kind of a preview of the LPL 2024 Outlook publication, which we are uh, working on as we speak. Uh, and then finally, we'll talk about the uh, data this week, GDP and PCE, probably going to get the most attention. They are very important data points for sure. We'd argue the PCE probably more so because it's more timely. Uh, and then the ECB meets and we have a lot of earnings. So let's get right to it. Recap last week, the SP was down 2.4%. It was risk off because of the reasons I just mentioned, uh, which meant you had some underperformance in the NASDAQ, although actually small caps held up fairly well, um, essentially in line. Uh, there was really no place to hide globally because you see losses across the board in Europe and Asia. India actually held up pretty well on a relative basis. I think the sector mix is interesting from last week because you had, you know, you would expect some really good performance from, from consumer staples in a down week. Right, it's a defensive sector, um, and healthcare held up relatively well, a defensive sector. But you know, utilities continue to struggle with rising rates, so they're not really providing a lot of defense. Uh, not just last week, but if you look at the last month and the last three months, utilities have really struggled down thirteen percent over the past three months. Um, the um, other winner was energy. You would expect that with all attention on the Middle East and on oil. Uh, you know, energy wasn't just a leader last week. It's been a leader uh, for the last uh, few months. So um, I think that's really all I want to call out there. Um, other than just one last thing, communication services. This is a huge week for communication services because we get more earnings there. Uh, Netflix was up double digits on um, its uh, surprisingly strong subscriber growth. That helped comm services uh, outperform. And that actually is among our neutral rated sectors. That's actually one of our favorites. Technicals look good there. Uh, the uh, bond market was down, of course, as rates rose 10 year yield near 5%. So no surprise there. Um, you know, you're not escaping interest rate sensitivity just by going to corporates or mortgages. Uh, those were down even more than the ag. Uh, and uh, certainly it's in a risk off week, you'd expect high yield to be down. Uh, down 1.2%, although not quite as much as the longer duration sectors, which is interesting. 
Um, and then commodities, uh, you know, precious metals, gold's had a nice run. I'll show you that chart in a minute. Uh, and uh, you see energy down, um, but uh, oil held up a little better than that energy index. So um, five-year, Quincy, I'll bring you in on this chart. The five-year yield hit 5%. Uh, what do you think are the key drivers here? Because I think there's you could point to several things here that are pushing the yields higher. Well, I think that given the Fed's message, and it was in unison, it was orchestrated, which followed the October 9th message from the vice chair. That is to say, the Fed is going to be more careful, more deliberate, uh, and, and more data dependent, but, but prepared to just, just wait it out. That was followed by the, um, a broad coalition at the Fed, the Hawks and the Dove, which is very interesting. So you have to do your forensics. And we also have the 10-year treasury yield climb above 5% last week. Yeah, obviously, it is slower. So you've got to look at it and say, well, wait a minute. That was the day that earnings were down. We had some earnings misses. The Fed came out and said, well, well, it, you know, we'll, we'll wait. So it's something else. And I think what it is is, is fiscal deficits uh, and larger supply having, having to go in and raise money through the auctions. And there's going to be more and more. And the other part of that story is uh, the increasing deficits now with the uh, aid to uh, Israel, the aid to Ukraine, and the buildup of the U.S. arsenal. All of that is costing quite a bit of money. And then you don't have a House leader. Uh, this, this all together, this all together comes in and says to the 10-year Treasury, you know what? This is this is beyond the Fed. This is beyond what what, what their intention is. This is larger, and therefore I think that's that's what you have. And I think um, it's a wake up call, perhaps to Washington. Now you know, Jeff, you know this, and we talk about it all the time. What's the difference between four point seven, four point eight, and five five point one? The psychology of it, but also the worry that it climbs higher, and the worry that. We need buyers. The Fed has resumed its quantitative tightening. Uh, they Remember, they went on a pause following the um, last spring's bank problems. They went on a pause. They're back tightening. So they're not a buyer. Uh, and a lot of central banks have been pull, pulling back. Now, I, I wouldn't say for political re sense. reasons necessarily, but the private sector that goes into the auctions is more price sensitive. And that means that they want a lower price and they'll get a higher yield. That's the concern. That's what the market is focused on right now. The Fed is kind of, kind of like, you know, eclipsing uh, or, or in eclipse right now, just, just away from what is this market focused on? And that's it. Yeah, I, I think that, that's a great point. Um, the, um, you know, the retail sales report last week was very strong. And so certainly, you know, that was a little bit of this increase in yields. And then we have the Fed still doing quantitative tightening, um, you know, while you have some of these global central banks or sovereigns moving a little bit away from treasuries. So it's just creating a little bit of a supply and demand problem. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say that this last latest move of yields is inflation related, right? I mean, maybe there's a little yeah. bit of a Middle East premium. Actually, that's a good segue to the to the oil chart. Um, the um, you know, oil looks to me 
like it's saying that the Middle East conflict is going to be, you know, contained uh, and that we're not actually going to have direct Iranian involvement. But um, what do you think, Quincy? You certainly know the Middle East landscape uh, much better than I do. Well, well, you know, it's it's becoming increasingly clear and clear to the other countries in, in the Middle East that Iran doesn't want the Israel to have a, a detente with um, with Saudi Arabia, but uh, they also don't want they do, and and even though they would like to stay out of this, they they don't want any more chaos. So oil, you know, it inched higher, it edged higher, then it pulled back a little. We don't use words like inch and edged when the market believes that there is going to be uh, a you know direct involvement of the, this war in the oil producing regions and then in Iran obviously involved. Uh, so I noticed, I noticed like I was on the market watching the movement in the market when it was announced that the, um, they got the two Americans out of, um, of Gaza, the two American hostages, oil pulled back on that. It was very interesting to watch, but you haven't seen a surge in oil because that is exactly what would happen. No edging higher, inching higher, surge in oil if the market believed that this was going deep into that territory or that it was going to expand. Now, there's the, I have to say, the um, geopolitical involvement now with U.S. warships there uh, intercepting, intercepting, you know, uh, the, their drones, in, intercepting drones coming in for Israel. Uh, China sending in six of their warships, which is makes this. I'm trying to find the words for it and trying to be diplomatic about it. It makes for a, a, a what we used to call war games. You know, you, you play war games. This is like a war game scenario that China comes comes in with their their six ships. Uh, the other aspect to it is gold. Uh, gold has held up, but it pulled back. If you look at the chart right now, it pulled back. That's a good sign. Although I will tell you, this in terms of seasonality for gold, absent anything in the Middle East, is a good season for gold. But nonetheless, it pulled back. So pulling back, pulling back oil, uh, treasuries. Uh, obviously pulled back because we saw the yield climb higher. All, all toll tells us that, yes, you're right, that the market sees this as contained for now. And there's a push, a push. Uh, I'll add one thing that folks, because I get a lot of emails on this, by the way. This is interesting because there's been a lot of um, chatter and a number of the uh, websites that I, I follow, they're, they're geopolitical, they're about defense has rumors that uh, uh, Israel is getting their super spies all activated. And one of the reasons is I would always say that uh, the Israelis follow uh, or vice versa Russian view of how do you deal with enemies. I'll leave it at that because I think people know what I'm talking about. But I have been, this thread has been picked up and some of the people that I follow are seem to be convinced that this is the only way that Israel will pull back a, a, a more massive, massive attack, because they're not, they're not going to let this just go. They're not just going to say, well, we'll walk away because we, no, they'll find no. another way. No, End of my discussion. 
Yeah, no mm -hmm. amount of uh, diplomacy from Europe, which is the latest one getting involved. We know that the U.S. has been um, trying yeah. to get, you know, Israel to, uh, to to slow down or maybe, I don't know, pull mm -hmm. back a little bit on its offensive. But I, I don't think there's, yeah. I don't think those things are going to have much impact. Uh, they'll try to get the hostages out. Obviously, um, they're still. Yeah, that's that's the goal. Hostages. That's right. That would say <laughs> Israel will slow down if it wants more time to prepare. But um, they're not going to slow down just because Europe says, you know, they need more time for aid or or the U.S. for that matter. Um, so, um, yeah, Gold had this massive reversal on on the breakout of the war. Yeah. It's not yeah. quite to the point where, um, you know, our technician, Adam Turnquist, would say this is a table pounding buy, but it's 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 close. Um, maybe you need a little bit of a consolidation and then, um, you know, that would be a little bit better time to. Uh, to yeah. get in. That's yeah. a big move. That's a big move to to digest. And we're talking about 2000. It's not been above 2000 much uh, throughout history. That, that's a big, that's a big number. Yeah. Uh, so thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that, Quincy. We'll, uh, as everybody is, keep watching the the news out of the uh, Middle East. So, um, you know, again, I, I, I downplayed earnings because people are focused so much on uh, Middle East headlines and rates. But um you know, it is earnings season. And so we still want to talk about what we're hearing. Um, and I'd say, um, well, you see the headline here, you know, earnings season has been fine, not great. Frankly, I've been a little bit disappointed thus far. We're only 80 something companies in, but been a little disappointed that we haven't generated more upside. So we're, you know, we'll still end the earnings recession. It appears like uh, right now we're tracking to, you know, 0.3% year over year earnings growth for S&P 500 companies, but that's pretty much where we were before we got any reports. So we haven't had enough upside to move that needle. We still think we got a good shot at getting to 3% earnings growth, uh, but it's going to be tougher uh, than maybe we thought. To get a lot of upside, you really need upside from the banks. And, and the banks did okay, but it was not a blowout by any stretch. Um, the, um, you know, the revenue... These beat rates of 70 and 73%, um, those are a little below where we would expect to be at this stage. Uh, but revenue still, you know, probably make a run at 3%, just like earnings. We're tracking to 1.7% now very early. Remember, really, all we've gotten is a lot of financials and just a smattering of other companies across uh, the various sectors. So it's too early to make any conclusions. In fact, on the next slide, I just have a list of things we're watching. You know, we'll we'll try to come up with some conclusions based on what we've heard thus far, but it, they're they're going to be with a big asterisk next to them because there's a lot more results to go. Um, and then this is a big week. We'll talk more about earnings uh, coming this week when we get to the week ahead slide. But uh, you know, overall, it's just I don't know. It's been kind of un uninspiring. I guess I want to get your thoughts on margins. Quincy and where we are, because, you know, obviously, if revenue grows faster than earnings, you've got a little bit of margin compression, but it's so early, first of all. Second of all, we've been so focused on pricing power and cost pressures that, um, I, you know, I was kind of struck by, um, you know, Procter & Gamble getting such strong pricing, right? It's just one company, but it's a big one. What do you, what's your take on um, where margins might come in? What what have you heard that you know suggests maybe you know margins could um, you know expand a little bit as they did last quarter? 
Well, also, I just want to add PepsiCo actually came in, did very well, uh, you know, there, yeah. in terms of pricing, pricing power. Well, you know, this is, this is the big issue is margins. This is a focus for this entire earnings season because if margins pull back, I mean, Tesla, I don't even have to go in. That's like another case study unto itself. But what happens with the margin compression is companies are going to have to cut, cut costs and it will probably be labor. And that then leads you to that, that slowdown, that recession that everyone is talking about. And that's why following, following this particular earnings season is going to be crucial because, you know, when we all talk about uh, margin compression, you also hear, well, you know, they've been hoarding workers. They've been hoarding workers because they were afraid that if they let people go, it'll be difficult to get workers if, if we don't go into a downturn and, or if the economy springs back, uh, which, you know, the third quarter is indicating that we've had a, a probably stellar uh, third quarter. But in any event, uh, this is what we're listening to from, from the companies. Uh, already with the, um, the uh, auto makers, quietly they are letting people go because they know that they are going to have to come up with a deal. It's going to be expensive. And they've got to get, they've got to, uh, they've got to cut costs somewhere because that deal is going to cost them quite a bit of money. So if you listen to them, I've been following it over the course of the last couple of weeks. They have been letting people go. And many of them are white collar workers because those are the ones that are more costly. So, uh, you know, the, the margin compression is the, I think, most important element in this earnings season. Uh, we're also hearing that the financial companies have upped more and more of their of, uh, letting people go. Uh, we're hearing it in advertising, which is interesting, because obviously advertising depends on growth. But uh, you know, I've been hearing that there people have been uh, been cut, you know, in some of the hubs for advertising, whether it's New York, whether it's uh, Chicago or the West Coast. So little by little, this is this is starting to pick up. It's starting to pick up. The question is, is it enough? to suggest that we are going to see a major bounce in the unemployment rate. Because as you know, that is it. That's the pathway to what ultimately the Fed really wants. They're hoping to do it without it, but they know that they'll get it. They'll get the consumer to pull back spending, right? And that gives you that, gives you that sort of that, that extra, extra push you need to get, to get inflation to that last mile, down in that last mile. Yeah, they won't admit that they're trying to um, <laughs> no, no. You know, get no. people to lose their jobs, of course. <laughs> and they'd rather, this ties into the one of the charts we have in the next section on the yeah. job market. They <clears throat> want they want openings to disappear. Yes, right? that's so it. It's yeah. not bidding wars for talent, and then you get downward pressure. On of course. That of course. You could, you could do that. And by the way, I mean, jobless claims are still pretty close to multi-decade yeah. lows. We have not seen signs of increased layoffs there but you're totally well, right in segments you know the auto industry maybe maybe in some of the logistics providers you know um you know the ups's and fedexes and the truckers and the rails you know labor cost pressures might be later in you know cooling right in those areas and certainly you've got um you know you've got some strikes that 
hit there as right. well as in the UAW. So um, yeah, there's cost pressure still. Uh, the Fed's work is not done, but this is really the blunt instrument of a rate hike and, you know, probably isn't enough. Uh, we're just going to have to wait for some economic weakness, unfortunately, uh, to try to um, get the Fed off our backs. So um, good, good points on the, on the, the margin situation. I mean, we've, the consensus is that margins are going up and they went up last quarter. They yeah, formed yeah. expectations. So we'll still stick with that view that maybe earnings growth can at least match, if not exceed uh, revenue growth. But um, it's going to be it's going to be tougher. You know, consumers are starting to push back on some of these uh, price hikes. And, um, you know, the um, you know, the cost side is still tricky. We heard some of the banks talk about um, cost pressures. It's 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 not cheap to operate a big and complex business right now. You know, and AI is not coming to the rescue tomorrow. It's going to take time. Um, credit environment, just a few other things that we mentioned that that we think investors should be watching. I mean, the um, the cost of credit, you know, I'm talking about like charge-offs. It didn't really move much uh, collectively for the banks, but we have seen delinquencies tick up. So, and this is, you know, this is why banks have been maybe careful to release loan loss reserves. So I would say the credit environment is deteriorating, but it's still, it's early and it's still in a pretty good place overall. What's concerning is that it's going to get a little worse. Um, and then in terms of sectors, um, you know, energy still to us, I mean, it's very early. Um, so we haven't seen uh, much out of the energy sector in terms of reports, but we think that's going to be a place where you're going to see some really nice results, some big upside surprises. Of course, you've also seen some big merger announcements, which tends to weigh on the acquiring company. So that created some weakness in Exxon. A week or so ago, that's created some weakness in Chevron today because they have announced a big acquisition as well of Hess. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the, basics, the basic fundamentals of energy look good to us. Industrials had downward earnings revisions heading into earnings season. You know, part of it is related to what I mentioned with UPS and, and, and FedEx and logistics. There have been some downward revisions there, transports. Uh, that's been a segment that's been quite weak lately, uh, underperformed the market. So that one, we, we still like industrials, just like we like energy, but we would rank energy as our top pick. And industrials, we're, we become a little less convicted because of those downward estimate revisions and because of the technicals, they've been kind of more mixed Uh uh, of late. And then lastly, and I want to get your take on this, uh, Quincy is tech high bar. You know, you're not going to see, you know, NVIDIA do something crazy and double the revenue estimates or anything like that. Right. Cause expectations have been ratcheted so much higher. We're neutral tech. So we don't even have skin in the game really, but, um, the bar is high, right? These stocks have done really well. I think the average mega cap tech name is up like 90% year to date. Uh, it's it's a big number. Um, we're going to get a lot of these this week, right? Amazon, Google, we already got Tesla. We're going to get Microsoft. We're going to get Meta. Yeah. So th this is, we'll see how high the bar is. Do you think the bar, I know NVIDIA is much later, but do you think the bar is too high for the magnificent seven, as some people call them, uh, to... Um, to keep these stocks afloat after the reports? Well, you know, I think they're looking for, they could be looking for a safe haven if this market sell-off continues and if the concerns 
you know, begin to just pressure, pressure the overall market. And they could be satisfied with perhaps lowering the bar a bit. But I think, you know, that's why there's been tremendous, a number of reports about Microsoft coming in because they've, they've got a, a, a you know, a, a really wide uh, platform in terms of, of earnings revenue. And, and, you know, you're hearing about, well, you know, there's so much concern about, about the yield curve, right? I mean, that, you know, you've heard so many of the uh, uh, well-known uh, market strategists and, and portfolio managers suggesting that the, un, uh, that the steepening of the yield curve is actually suggesting a recession is at hand. So therefore, there's tremendous interest in, in these uh, reports because we know that uh, they become a defensive sector. That's the fascinating part of it. These names have become part of your defensive strategy because they're rock solid, uh, the rock solid uh, balance sheets. So yeah. I, I, I just throw this out there because I remember when, uh, you know, during the pandemic, uh, my, um, Microsoft, the, the CFO mentioned that clients were holding back, clients weren't spending as much. It brought M Microsoft down, but Microsoft recovered uh, that following week, which was good news. So we'll be paying attention. Th this is a very important part of the, of the story because these are the, these are the companies who will underpin a market that is worried about uh, you know, this so-called impending recession. Absolutely. Tech Tech is so important because of how big of a chunk it is on earnings. And then, yeah. you know, the capital expenditures into tech. Yeah. Are, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's a big part of the economy. So we we gotta yeah. we certainly gotta yeah. watch. Um, and you're right, it's the safe haven. Utilities in a rising rate environment are not a great safe haven. Uh mm -hmm. certainly um oil and gold appear to be somewhat uh in um during this current conflict. So um, let's let's move on. We talked a little bit about the job market, so I'll hop through this next section pretty quickly. Inside look at labor markets. The latest weekly market commentary is on LPL.com. Um, it's Monday, October 23rd, 2023, as we're recording this. Um, and uh, the markets came back from early weakness on falling bond yields. So I'll throw that out there. Um, stocks, the S&P is up 15 straight Mondays, I believe. So we're trying to make it 16. Uh, and it looks good right at the moment, uh, midday on Monday. So jobs, uh, weekly market commentary uh, is uh, from Dr. Jeffrey Roach about, I mean, it's really a sort of an overall economic outlook part for the rest of the year and part 2024. But it really is focused on the job market, the bulk of it. And so he, he has these three job charts that I think are really interesting. First, um, firms tend to hire part-timers during periods of economic uncertainty. So ahead of the last few recessions, you saw more part-time work added and more full-time work subtracted, or at least held steady. We're starting to see that now. So this is a watch out. We're not trying to sound downbeat. In fact, we've, you know, Jeff's even written that the recession may not matter because we priced it in last year and it's going to be short and mild and people won't know about it for a year. <laughs> right. So, you know, this could be the least um, felt recession if we do have one. Uh, but this is another indicator pointing in that direction. Uh, Jeff also notes this is a worry for the Fed. Wages, this basically tells you that if you leave your job, you're going to get more money. And the 
gap between what you're making now and what you might get if you switch jobs is large, right? You can see that between the gap between the orange line and the blue line here, job stayers in blue, job switchers in orange. That needs to come down uh, or it's going to worry the Fed because it's going to just continue to put upward pressure on wages as employees uh, switch jobs. This is a chart I haven't seen from, from Jeff. And so my guess is probably many of you haven't seen that. Um, either. So the Fed's going to still talk tough, even if they're probably done. Uh, last one, job market loosen, but not much. In a perfect world, we'd have just job openings come down and that solved the wage pressure problem for the Fed, but it really hasn't come down a lot. You know, it was up over two, turns the ratio of job openings to unemployed people to potentially take those jobs. Now it's down to about, you know, one seven, one six, not enough. I mean, you can see here in this chart, Normal is is well below one. So Fed has more work to do. Uh, that's the bottom line there. So let's let's get to the really good stuff, Quincy. This is a huge week of economic events, economic data, and earnings. <clears throat> so what would you point out here that's of, of interest to to folks? Do you have a call on the you know on the GDP? Do you think there's potential for something outside of consensus on uh, on core PCE, um, or do you think that the ECB is a wild card, or all of the above? No, I would be all of the above actually. But ECB, there's a there's a um, a bit of a chatter that she may stay on hold and have a you know a hawkish hold. The way the Fed is looking at it, uh, a hawkish hold. Look, we're still we're still there. We can still raise rates, but we'll, we'll pause. And that that would be interesting. There seems to be quite a bit of chatter about about that. But overall, I think that uh, there's one area that I think the Fed is focused on. I know they're focused on it because they mentioned it some some months ago when they moved from 50 basis points to 75. They pay attention to the uh, University of Michigan consumer sentiment report, but particularly not so much about how do consumers feel, but uh, the expectations for forward inflation. Because last week that climbed higher. That's something they don't want to see. Now you could argue that all gasoline prices have been edging lower, uh, at least on the East Coast, uh, they've been edging lower. Uh, but consumers are still saying that uh, food prices are still high, oil prices are high, and they expect to see inflation higher in a year's time. That's coming out. The final report is coming out on Friday morning. So I'm looking at that. But there's one other that really is besides, and you'll leave it, I'll leave the best one for you, Jeff, the PCE. But this is um, personal income and personal spending. Because we saw, uh, not the last report, but the one before, where personal income was down, personal spending was up. The last month, it was uh, equal, right? Personal spending up, personal income up. Let's see where it is this time. Because this is one, because personal spending is so crucial to our economy. Let's see where, where it is. At what point does the consumer begin to slow down? And you know, and I know, and much of it, much of it is focused on the labor market. Folks get worried when they see unemployment rise or, or, or chatter that a, a big company where they live is laying off people because they always realize they can be next. And, and again, it all stems from what we're hearing from, from corporate America. 
But the PCE, that's yours. You take it because that really is the market's really focused on it, as is the Fed. Sure. Yeah. The good news is it's likely to come down, right? The uh, uh, yeah. the year over year last month was three nine. Now it's going to be probably or two months ago. Now last month expected three seven. So if we get a three six, even though it could be a rounding error. Uh, the market would certainly um, like that. I think, frankly, the market's probably going to be okay with three seven. Um, and inflation, you know, this is the Fed's preferred measure, so it actually means more than the CPI, even though yeah. regular people uh, pay much more attention to the CPI. Uh, yeah. What's interesting that you know, core PCE is not as real estate driven because it's not, it, you know, we don't have that. Um, what do they call right. it? The, the owner's equivalent rent, which is a theoretical right. rent for a yeah. owned home. And it, it's just, it's and it's a big chunk uh, of the CPI. So we we would like, and Powell <laughs> likes the C, the PCE much better. So uh, hopefully yeah. we get, you know, continued steady decline. Yeah. That's, um, that's a big one. That's probably more important than the GDP report, which is backward looking. And economists, yeah. you know, all expect north of four. Uh, percent, which is just a booming, oh, yeah. not yeah. going to, uh, th- we won't get a repeat of that, <laughs> right? It's going to be unusually large. There's probably going to be a point of trade and inventories, which is kind of noisy uh, in there. Um, and and we could be, you know, we could roll back over and be, you know, looking at one or 2% in Q4, uh, if if that. So uh, don't don't translate that to economic boom. Um, it's kind of a quirk in the numbers and, um, you know, the fundamentals just don't support consumer spending to continue at the, uh, the pace, uh, that, that we've been on here. And that fiscal stimulus is starting to wane a little bit too, uh, right. I mean, consumer, we'll see it in the personal income and spending consumers can't keep spending more than they're making forever, right? At some point, uh, the spending has to cool down and we're going to get, um, you know, slower GDP numbers. We'll, we'll applaud this one. Great. More growth, better than less growth. Um, this is, this GDP number is not going to really scare the Fed. Um, it's, it's really more about the outlook um, and about um, inflation. And, um, you know, on that, they think they have a little more work to do. So uh, beyond that, I think the earnings is the, the other big story of the week, Quincy. So we talked about that. And I'm going to be okay. fascinated by what we hear from big tech. I think we all are going to oh. Fascinated by oh, what we do from big yeah. tech and AI. So that's going to get the most attention. It's 40% of SP 500 earnings that'll be reported this week. 40% of the earnings. That's that's a huge number. It's across huge. 160 companies. And I'm also, like I said before, I'm going to be interested in what we hear from industrials because that's been very messy, um, unfortunately. And so we're, we're kind of um, you know on watch with our uh, positive industrial sector view. So um, lot to watch this week. Uh, we'll go, um, we'll, we'll keep watching it. <laughs> well, um, you know, we're already, it's already an interesting day to day. Of course, we'll watch the Middle East headlines. Of course, we're watching yields. Good to see the 10-year tre- the yield back off of 5% here today, at least as we're recording this. So with that, we'll go ahead and sign off. Thank you, Quincy, for joining. Thanks, everybody, Thank for listening to another edition of LPL Market Signals. 
We'll see you next week. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.